0: Welcome to Shelter Cove. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope that you find encouragement through today's message. For more information, check us out online at sheltercovelive.com, or send us a text at 209-340-3115. Imagine yourself sitting on a roller coaster. And I'm not talking about any kind of roller coaster. I'm talking about one of these massive roller coasters down at Magic Mountain. You know, one of those ones that do the corkscrews or one of the ones that do the big loop-de-loops. And you're on your way up and you hear that sound. You know how it goes. And you think you're almost there. It keeps on going. And then it keeps going. And then you hear that sound. And you know you're about to go down and you're not sitting anywhere. You're sitting in the front seat. You look down at your waist and you realize you're not strapped in. Can you imagine how horrible of a feeling that would be sitting on the top of a roller coaster knowing you're not secured? Here's what would happen. Instead of enjoying the scenery, instead of raising your hands, you would be holding on to everything, freaking out for your life. Now, hopefully that will never happen. And I share that story because today we're starting a brand new series titled Insecure. And boy, it is so important that we are secure, that we are strapped in, in our walk with Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, meet me in 1 John chapter 3, verse one. That's where we're gonna be today. Today, we are talking about how to be secure in our relationship with Jesus Christ. What does it look like to be secure in our identity? Next week is about secure in our salvation, that we don't need to be fearful of losing our salvation. And then week three is is all about being secure in our giftedness, that we are wired and created in a unique and special way so we don't need to try to be a false imitation of someone else. And here's why this is so important. I believe that when we're secure, It changes everything. I mean, think about yourself on the roller coaster again. It goes from enjoying something because you're secure and strapped in versus panicking and freaking out. And we see this in relationships. We see this in a marriage. When you are secure in your marriage, it changes your marriage. When you are secure as a family, it changes the way you communicate. When you're secure with your boss, it changes the way you work because you're not fearful of losing your job. You're focused on advancing the company. Uh, You know, I see this play out all the time with our staff members because we are constantly joking with each other, making fun of ourselves, making fun of each other, laughing, and we can do that because underneath that there is this security and the reality that we have this deep love and support for one another. So today we're talking about security. Why? Because again, I believe it changes the way we live and this is necessary for us to live out our mission statement of reaching and raising authentic followers of Jesus. It's necessary for us to to live out our vision statement to be about the one. Why? Because when we're insecure, we're focused on ourselves. We're focused on how we feel, how we look. And yet when we're secure, we're focused on God and others. First John chapter three, verse one is where we're gonna be. Why John? Well, John was one of Jesus's closest friends. John was one of the disciples of Jesus. John was secure in his identity. In fact, in his gospel, he didn't refer to himself as John. He referred to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. Why? He was secure in the fact that Jesus loved him. John 1st John chapter 3 Verse one, this is what John says. John says, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Heavenly father, God, we love you so much. And we are so excited to to talk about the reality that we can be secure in our identity with you. God, would you help us to open our hearts, to open our minds, to receive the message you have in store for us today. God, I pray for your help, that you would speak through me in a passionate and clear way. We love you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Again, my name is Jeremy. Stoked to have you with us today. We're starting this series, uh, Insecure. We're crossing out the I, we're crossing out the N, talking today about what it means to be secure in our identity. And before we jump into that, we want to talk about the reality that there's certain things that our identity is not based upon. Uh, In your notes, uh, our identity is not based upon what we do. It's often when you meet somebody, somebody will say, hey, what do you do? And if we're not careful, we can buy into the mindset that our identity is based upon the fact that we're a teacher, or we're a doctor, or we're a nurse, or we're a police officer, or even a pastor at times, and yet our identity is not based upon what we do. It's so much deeper than that. It's based upon who we are. Second of all, our identity is not based upon what the culture tells us. The culture tells us all kinds of different things, which is constantly changing. Thirdly, our identity is not based upon how we feel. Feelings come and go. And if our identity is based upon our feelings, our relationships will be based upon feelings, which is a very dangerous thing. Our identity is not based upon how we feel. Fourthly, our identity is not based upon what we think. The culture is constantly challenging our thinking, telling us that there are newer and better ways to live life. It's not based upon what we think. Lastly, and here's the key, it's uh, our identity is only based upon what God says about us. Who you are is defined by God. His word that's true and unchanging. In your notes, there's this word that says key, semicolon. And here's the point we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us. And, and I love this because John starts us off in this passage and he says this word, see. I love that because it's this excitement, but it's this command at the same time. I'll never forget when I was a teenager, we were driving home from Southern California. We lived in Sacramento. We were driving by the, the state capitol. It was at night. It was all lit up. And my dad said, look, and it was this word of excitement, but it was also this this word of command at the same time. And he wanted us with this passion and excitement to, to see the state Capitol. But he also wanted to say, hey, don't look at anything else right now. And so we're starting to look at it. And what my dad didn't realize is that all the cars were stopping in front of him. And so I said, hey, dad, watch out. Again, a, a word of excitement, also a, a command, because if he didn't stop, we were going to lose our lives, right? Well, don't miss out what John is saying right here. He's saying, see, he's saying, this is a word of, of great excitement, but it's also a command. And in other words, don't miss out on the fact that God loves you. I want you to see this love in a, in a clear and a tangible way. Why? This is so important because the key to our identity is that we see ourselves not based upon what we think, not based upon how we feel, not based upon what the culture says, not based upon what we do, but we see ourselves the way God sees us. We see ourselves the way God sees us. It's not how we see ourselves. It's not how others see us. It's that we see ourselves based upon the way God sees us. And what I want to do is i want to unfold Three different realities. How, how does God see us? What, what are three truths about the way that God sees us that will change our identity? And we're going to get all three of these from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And this is what the first reality is, is that our identity is a child of God. I absolutely love that. John says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of of God. I love that. A child of God. This is what separates religion from a relationship. So much of religion is about trying to please God and appease God and earn his favor, where Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship where God is our, our father and he calls us his children Now the reality is that every single human being is valuable in the eyes of God. Every single human being, the Bible says, is fearfully and wonderfully made. Every single human being, every child is is created in the image of God, but not every single human being is a child of God. In fact, John goes on later in 1 John 3.10 and says that we are either a child of God or a child of the devil. Well, what separates children of God and, and children of the devil? It's one word, it's Jesus. The Bible says that to be a child of God, we, we simply need to be born again. We simply need to receive the, the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. In fact, Galatians 5.26 says, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. It's Jesus Christ that allows us to be a child of God. 1 uh, John 3.10 says, By this you are, it is evident that you are children of God and who are children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God and the one who does not love his brother. And so our willingness to be led by the Spirit allows us to understand that it produces righteousness in our lives, revealing the reality that we truly are children of. Of God, I absolutely love that. The difference between, again, religion and relationship is that God gives us this identity of a child of God. You know, one of the most precious things that's ever taken place in my life was the the, the opportunity to to hold my my children after they were born, and it was so special because they were so weak, so so innocent. Um, so fragile, right? And then they became teenagers, right? No, but they're just so innocent and to realize that they had this, this reliance on their, their father and that they could do nothing in and of themselves. That's the same as us as children of God. We have to understand that, that we are frail, that we are weak, that we need somebody to hold us and ultimately somebody to save us. And I love this because here John says, I want, I want you to see the, the, the love that God has for his children. And again, the difference between religion and relationship. Religion is all about rules. Relationship is all about love. When we realize that, that we are loved by God and that we're secure in that love, it changes us. I mean, think about it just for a moment. In the scriptures, you have the Pharisees. They were all about religion, all about rules. What does rules ultimately lead to? Legalism and rebellion. And if we're not careful as parents, we can parent our kids in a way that focuses on rules and discipline that will often lead to rebellion. Or we can parent our children the way that God parents us. How does God parent us? With love. Foundation is love. He, he loves us so much. And out of that love, from that love, comes rules and discipline. Now, let me, let me just illustrate this just for a moment. Uh, if Drew or Hallie are, are in trouble and they've done something wrong, one of the things that... Um, I don't want to do is quickly talk about a rule and then the uh, punishment or the discipline. The first thing that I want to do is clarify that I love them. Hey, I'll put my arm around them and say, Hey, you know how much I love you. I'm so thankful that you're my child. I love you so much. And it's because of the love that we have these rules. It's because I love you that I want, I don't want you climbing up on the roof, right? It's because I love you that I don't want you playing out in the street. And because you didn't listen to me, here's the discipline. But, but, but it's all based upon the fact that, that I love my kids. See, we're children of God. The reality is that it's based upon a relationship where, where God loves us that allows us to be secure. You know, I talk to so many people that are in their 20s, 30s, even older in life. And when I talk about their relationship with their father, hardly ever hear somebody say, you know, I didn't like my dad's rules. Uh, I didn't like the way my dad disciplined me. Often the comment is, you know, I really don't have a good relationship with my dad. And so as parents, as moms, as fathers, we need to make sure we parent our kids the way God parents us as a heavenly father, that it's all about the relationship established in love, flowing with love. This word is agape love. It's unconditional love. And because we love our children, there are boundaries and there is disobedience. Why? Because that's the way that God loves us. But the first thing that we see is that our identity because of Jesus Christ in our lives, is a child of God. The second thing that we see is that our identity takes place through adoption. I, I love this because John says, and so you are. <laughs> it's not just, just that you're a child of God. He says, so you are. You know, adoption takes place uh, Every day throughout the the country, I think about all these precious little kids that are adopted into different homes. And, you know, you have parents that are are hoping for kids and praying for a a child and and children come into these homes. And uh, it's different with us because lots of times you look at these pictures of, of kids Um, maybe throughout the the world or in your city and you're you're looking at one that maybe you would like to adopt. Not us. When when God looks at us, there is nothing attractive about us. Like our our sin, my sin makes us look ugly. Uh, My my sin is disgusting. And, And only a loving heavenly father would desire to have a relationship with Jeremy, would desire to have a relationship with you. And what does God do despite our disgusting nature of our sin? He not only calls us children, he adopts us. And here's what takes place. Here's the crazy thing. When we give our life to Jesus Christ and we become a child of God, what God does is he, he bangs the gavel and he looks at us and Jesus Christ is both the just and the justifier. I love that Jesus Christ pays the penalty for our sin. He, he's the one that, that is that's fully just. Our sin goes upon himself, but not only that, he is the justifier, which means that he makes us just as if we never sinned. Why? Because he takes our sin upon himself and he gives us his righteousness so that we can be right in the eyes of the Father. So when that gavel bangs, we are justified, but it's the same gavel that bangs that says, you are adopted. You are mine. The Bible says in order for this to happen, there's this this new birth that takes place. In fact, Jesus said that to John in John chapter three, to to Nicodemus, that that we have to be born again, not of blood, but of the the, the, uh, spirit, not of flesh, but of the spirit. And so our second identity is is that we are adopted, which is such a beautiful picture. In Ephesians chapter one, five, it says that he predestined us for adoption to himself. As sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. We've been chosen. We've been predestined for adoption. It's the crazy thing about the scriptures is that God has chosen us. But also that we have free will and that God is knocking on the door of every single one of our hearts. Peter says that he does not want anyone uh, to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, how can we be chosen and have free will at the same time? Scott's going to unfold that next week. I have no idea. I don't understand that. But but it's what the scriptures say that we've been predestined for adoption. Paul says in Romans eight fifteen. he says, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons By whom we cry, Abba, Father. We don't have to fall back into the fear of trying to earn the favor of God. Why? Because we're his child and we've been adopted into his family. There's nothing you could ever do to to become unadopted by God. I absolutely love this. You know, uh, one of the greatest things that's ever taken place in my life is that Eleven years ago, um, my wife, Kelly, and I had the privilege to adopt our daughter, Hallie. And now, we'd been praying about adopting for years. We actually went through an organization up in Stockton, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And right when we unexpected it, we we realized that one of our family members um, was pregnant at a very young age. And we were asked to to pray about adopting uh, her baby, and we prayed about it. We sought the Lord, and we believed that God was answering our prayer uh, through this opportunity again, that was unexpected. And I'll never forget uh, driving down to Southern California and and being there for Hallie's uh, birth. I was out in the waiting room and just 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 waiting for her and uh, longing to hold her. And now Hallie is 11 years old and. Uh, throughout her whole life, she has always known that she's been adopted. She's always known that she's been an answer to prayer. She's always known that, that she is so special. In fact, we've got some some things in her room that uh, h- help remind her of how special she is. One is simply this. One is simply this, this painting that says, I, I'm a child of God. How, Holly sees that every single day to remind herself that her identity is not that she's a student. Her identity is not the fact that she's an athlete. Her identity is not the fact that she can do great at gymnastics or anything else. Her identity is simply that she is a loved child of God. She also has this little teddy bear. She's 11 years old. She still sleeps with this from time to time. I love it. And the teddy bear has this heart that says, I'm chosen. Like if you're adopted by God, you're, you're chosen. You're secure. But every single day she sees this as a reminder that she was adopted by us. And then lastly, we've got this book that that shares Hallie's story from from the time that she was born and pictures of us at the hospital with her and pictures of us holding her. And she keeps this on her her shelf and it's her adoption story. And she'll get this out at times and, and show her friends and she's always known. That she's been adopted. In fact, when I tuck Holly in at night, often I'll tell her, first of all, hey, my greatest prayer for you, Holly, is that you grow up and love Jesus Christ with all your heart. She knows that. But I'll also tell her from time to time, you know what one of the greatest things that happened in my life was? And she will finish the sentence for me. She'll say, you adopted me. You adopted me. She is so secure in the fact that she is our child and that she is adopted. I absolutely love it. That's what John's getting at here. He wants us to be secure in the reality that we are a child of God and that we have been adopted into his family through this new birth where the Holy Spirit comes into our life. And we are not only a child of God, but that we are adopted. Now, thirdly, don't miss this in your notes. Not only have we been given this identity as a child of God, our identity takes place through adoption, but thirdly, our identity causes us to please our Heavenly Father. And this is so important because for so many of us, we get caught up in trying to please everybody else. We're we're, we're people pleaser, people pleasers, and we, we, we do things that just try to Please people. We'll dress in a certain way. We'll talk in a certain way. Some of us have hobbies that we participate in. We don't even like, right? We we just don't even like. Why do we do them? Because we want to make sure we fit in. We, We please people and it changes who we are because our motivation is to please others. Why? Because we're not secure in our identity. Here's what happens when we recognize that we are a child of God that we are adopted, that we have been justified, that the Holy Spirit's living inside of us. We're free. We're free because we don't have to feel like we have to please anybody else. Now, now don't get me wrong. You, you should still brush your teeth and wear deodorant and do some of that stuff, all right? But, but our main goal in life is just to please our Father, our Heavenly Father. I think it's so unique. For so many of us that, that we have this internal desire to please our, our earthly father. We just, we just want to make our, our earthly father pleased. I'm 45 years old, and to this day, I, I still just want to please my earthly father. Well, when the Holy Spirit comes inside us, instead of wanting to please people, we have this desire To please our heavenly father. In fact, we see this so often in scripture. Paul said, or John says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. They have no knowledge. The world has no knowledge of God. It doesn't understand what it means to be a child of God, to be adopted. So they're not about pleasing the father like we are. First Corinthians 10 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I love this. Colossians 1, 9, and 10 says this. And so, from the day we heard, we have not stopped ceasing to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in a spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I love that fully pleasing him, fully pleasing the father. How do we do that? I want to share with you three brief ways on how we can be people that are seeking to please God. Number one is simply this. It's to be somebody that trusts God, to trust God. Hebrews eleven. Six says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. We have to trust that that we are secure as a child, secure in our adoption. We have to be people that trust God. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Second of all, we have to be led by the Spirit. We we have to allow that Spirit who's in our hearts to to lead us in a way where we ultimately want to please God we're following the spirit not giving into the flesh paul puts it this way in romans chapter 8 verse 8 he says they that are in the flesh cannot please god the people that don't have the holy spirit inside them are living according to the flesh it's impossible to please a god that you do not know that you do not believe in and so not only do we trust god not only are we led by the spirit but thirdly we listen to jesus You know, both when Jesus was baptized and at the transfiguration, God said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. At the transfiguration, God said, listen to him. And so one of the greatest ways that we can be people and children that are adopted, that live to please the Father, is by listening to the words of Jesus. Your identity is not who you think you are. It's not who the the culture says that you are. Your identity is solely based upon who God says you are. And that's three realities. Number one, our identity is based upon being a child of God. Two, our identity takes place through adoption. And thirdly, our identity causes us it pushes us, it encourages us to live a life that ultimately pleases the Father. Now, let me close with just two realities. Uh, maybe you're, you're watching this today and, and, and you're not secure in yourself. You're not secure in your identity. The reality is, is you're like that person that's on that roller coaster getting ready to go down and you realize you are wearing no seatbelt. Today that can change. Today, you can be secure as a child of God by giving your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that that God is, is knocking at the door of our hearts and that when we receive Jesus Christ, he changes us from the inside out. And he allows us to be born again, making us his child. But not only that, he adopts us as sons and daughters. And then second of all, I said earlier in my story that when we adopted Hallie, the way it took place kind of caught us off guard. Maybe today you're watching this message and you've been caught a little bit off guard. And yet God's looking at you and he loves you. And he says, I want to, I want you to be my child. I want to adopt you. I want you to enter into a relationship where you have a loving heavenly father. Maybe you're watching this today and you don't have a father. You don't have an earthly father. You don't have a good relationship with your earthly father. You can have the perfect relationship with your heavenly father. Why? Because he is flawless. He will never disappoint you. And he is reaching down to you, wanting you to be his child, wanting to adopt you. The question is, is will you reach up to him? Will you reach up to him and maybe for the first time today call God, Abba, Father. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are and what you've done in our lives. And God, for some of us, we struggle with our identity. We're so insecure because we're so caught up in to what people think about us or how people see us or what the culture says about us. God my one prayer today is that we would see ourselves the way you see us. that we are loved, that we are valuable, that we are in desperate need of a father, a father that loves us so much. That he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to deal with the sin issue in our lives. That we can be born again, not of flesh or blood, but of the Holy Spirit. Allowing us to be a child, allowing us to be adopted, and changing the purpose of our lives to ultimately live a life that's focused on pleasing our Father. God, we love you. Help us to be secure in our identity. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, hey, thank you so much for for just listening to this message. We're gonna continue to worship in just a moment, but if you made a decision to follow Jesus or you have questions about what it means to follow Jesus, text us at this number. We'd love to hear from you, but right now let's continue to worship through this song.